preaching a message tonight called Paid Imposters. Paid Imposters. You can put that at the top of your notes there, and that would be awesome. I just want to celebrate a few things before we get too far into it. Um, we've been praying for a few things as a youth ministry, and I'm just going to celebrate just, just a couple of things. We've been praying for jobs, for people, team members, young people, and all that sort of thing. We have found that in, over the last couple of weeks have just been jobs just coming in everywhere, really. I know why, which is really exciting because people who hadn't had a job for a fair while got a job and got offers. Some people had to say no to other jobs, and God's really moving there. Ashton Gree got his first job at McDonald's, which is really cool. This week, very exciting, but there's just been jobs coming in. We've had, um, we, we were praying for a family who we wanted to see them register their young person, their young people, and my sister says, my sister was praying, she was like, in the name of Jesus, we just pray within the next few days, we get a message saying that they're going to register their young people. That was at like 7.30, and then I walk out and I check my messages, and there was a message saying, can we please register our young people? And so we just know God's moving. Um, we've had health reports come back where a young girl who was down to 70% of her lung capacity overnight had 90%, I think it was, overnight turnaround at hospital. So many things that God is doing. Gilston, another thing that God's doing. But there's so many things that we could miss if we do not celebrate them. There are so many good things that God does each and every day of our lives that we can walk past and never truly celebrate and never truly make a monumental moment where we go, God, you are good. God, you are moving. God, I'm building my faith because I know the next time I'm going to see you move even more, which is really, really cool. And so um, please celebrate that this week. Let's, let's be a church that celebrates the wins and let's notice when God is moving amongst us. Cool? Awesome. Great. So paid imposters. Who has a fear? Does anyone have a fear of something here? Like you just are terrified of, yeah, cool. People are honest. Great. We've got three people who are honest. It's really cool. I have a couple of fears. Heights, as I've already discussed, and rats. <laughs> I hate rats. Rats are like, could kill me one day from a heart attack. Because I don't know what it is, but rats have always been my biggest fear. What was it a couple of weeks ago? It was April Fool's Day. And it was... April Fool's Day, still a little bit scarred from it. It was only a couple of weeks ago. Somebody in the church office, I'm not going to name who they are, but somebody, this guy here, didn't name you, thought it'd be funny to plant a rat in my office. Now, I know I could speak about this, but I'm just going to let you see phase one. I'm, I'm calling this like the setup. This is where Caleb explains what he's going to do. So why don't you turn your eyes to the screen because they collected it for me, which is even better. So what's happening? Well, it's April Fool's Day, obviously, first of April. It's been a pet shop. We've got a male rat here, which coincidentally is Dan Russell's phobia of rats. Male rats. Male rats in particular. <laughs> so we're about to put it in his drawer when he's not in the office. And then ask to borrow his stapler. That's a plan, guys. Ready, Stephen? Totally. <laughs> <laughs>
Now this is part one. At this point, I'm working hard, people. I am working hard. I'm the only person in the office doing the work right now. And if you go to the next video, this is the result. They even, they even filmed the result. I hate rats. You're not going to hear me. I hate rats. An imposter came into my office that day. I hate rats and they are my fear. And as you can see, it did not take long for me to get myself out of that room because I was not going to stay in that room while that rat was in there. And um, thank you, Caleb, for that content. But in the same way, there are things in our lives that will hinder us from being able to do what we need to do. The truth is, I was not going back into my office until that rat was gone. I sat on the stairs and I waited until the rat had been picked up and removed. I know, I was at the stairs. I wasn't going anywhere near that thing. I was at the stairs and I was waiting until that rat had been picked up and put in its cage and, I don't know, gotten rid of out of this building, thank goodness, because I was not going to occupy the same space as a rat. I was not going to be in that space. And in the same way, it will hinder us if we don't take the things out of our life that we know are hindering us, things that may be in the closet or things that may be in the drawer or things that may be behind the scenes that it would hinder us if we do not take them out because we will never be able to access the resources, the places, the things that we need to access in God in order to occupy our future, in order to do the things that we need to do. You see, as a church, we need to be people that remove ourselves, but then get somebody like Jesus Christ in this instance, aka Caleb, who removed the rat, out of our life so that we can go into everything that God has for us. There are no imposters anymore, thankfully, in my office. But Caleb, watch your back, because I'm coming, bro. I'm coming. See, imposters are things that, that I guess just fill the space of our life. They pretend to be one thing, but really they're... People keep rats as pets. Rats aren't pests. They're rodents. You don't keep them as pets. And they, they're, they're imposters. In the same way, we can, we can attract things in our life that seem good at the time, that resentment or that anger or that hurt, but in reality, they're imposters and they're only taking from us the church, not giving to us. We're about to encounter a story in the, in the Gospel of Mark, in Mark chapter 5, and we'll be reading from there about this man named Jairus who finds himself in a desperate situation. You may be in a desperate situation today and we find ourselves in all different circumstances and situations, but there's one key element that, that, that holds us and binds us is that we, we have Jesus Christ, just as Jairus in this story had Jesus Christ. And we're about to be reading from uh, Matthew 5, 21 to 24, and I've split this up into two passages and um, we'll start reading from verse 21 now. It says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of a lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Let me just give you a little bit of context. At this point in Jesus' ministry, he is gaining momentum. 
people are noticing this guy teaches and preaches different to all the others. He moves in the power and authority of God. There is something different about Jesus. And so people are flocking to him. And there's an attention drawn to Jesus by the movement of God upon his life. And so this is where Jesus finds himself. Verse 22, Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she may be healed and lived. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. At this point, there seems to be a break in the story because they're going happily along. Jairus is happy because Jesus is moving with him towards the house where his daughter lay dying. And then they get interrupted by the, the lady with the issue of blood. And of course, she receives her healing because she breaks through the crowd and grabs the hem of Jesus' garment. Jesus realises his powers come from him and says, you're healed. And then they continue on. But you could imagine the type of the situation that arises in Jairus' mind at this point as he's waiting for Jesus to finish this interruption, to get to his house, to heal his daughter. Verse 35 says, While Jesus was still speaking, that is to the lady with the issue of blood, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. I just want to stop right there because... Jesus was overhearing what was happening in the moment. Although there was something happening in this, pro, in this time and in this destination, Jesus still had his ear to what Jairus was going through. And whether you find yourself in a situation where God is obviously moving or obviously not, can I just say that God is more attracted to it and He has an eye on it more than you know. Because He had overheard that they, the bad report that Jairus had received. And then when He overheard it, He stepped in and said, no, I'm still here. And some of us have come in here today and we've gone, why is God moving this person's life or this person's life or this person's life? We get a little bit insecure. We go, if God's moving in them and in that situation, then He can't be moving in my situation when all along God's still got His ear to us and He's still listening for when the time is right. Can that be an encouragement for somebody today that God is actually overhearing where you're at right now and He's saying to you, don't be afraid, just have faith. Verse 37, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why is all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha Kom, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. When you find yourself, I want to talk tonight about when you find yourself in a room filled with pain and problems. What are we going to do when we find ourselves in a room that we never wanted to be in, in a situation, in a, in a place that we never wanted to be in? What do we do when we find ourselves in these situations? And my point number one tonight is allow Jesus in by taking yourself out. You see, the first part of this passage, we see that one of the synagogue leaders, as it says in verse 22, named Jairus, came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. 
Do you see, it would have been easy for Jairus to go, oh, I might send somebody else on my behalf. I might send a servant on my behalf and so I can stay here and make sure everything's going well in the room with my daughter. But the reality is, is that Jairus goes out of his way to fall at the feet of Jesus. And sometimes, church, that's the hardest part for us is to take ourselves out of a situation, take ourselves out of that problem, take ourselves out of that pain or that hurt and rely completely on Jesus. That's actually the part where we take ourselves out of who and where we find ourselves in order to take Jesus back in with us. You see, if Jairus doesn't go out to Jesus that day, his daughter dies. If he sends somebody else, there's no guarantee that Jesus comes back. He had to go out and he had to fall at Jesus' feet in order to see the miracle come to pass. On Monday, uh, we've been having Planet Shakers conference registrations come in, which is awesome. And um, we were thinking, me and the youth team were talking, we're like, because it's conference, like, we'll, we'll probably... Like, there'll probably be a small amount of young people that will want to go. So we'll just, you know, drive them all in and it'll be, it'll be a small, knit, tight-knit group and that'll be easy and fun. And that was the thought. What turns out is actually there's a lot of young people that want to come to Planet Shakers Conference, which is awesome. But this means that we now need a bus and a few other things. And so I'm sitting there in my office and I'm trying to work out how do we get a bus? Because obviously that, we didn't include that in the price and all that sort of stuff. But I'm sitting there in my office and I'm frustrated. And I'm sort of like, oh, why, how, like, couldn't this have happened earlier? And I would have known and I could have planned for this. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm just on my computer hours. I didn't get anywhere. I'm calling up bus company, trying to talk with them. And just time went and went and went. And then I feel God say, shut the computer and pray. And I'm like, God, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard come out of your mouth. Let's be honest. Sometimes that is our first reaction is to go, that's a waste of time to actually take myself out of a situation that I could actually go into the presence of God to seek Him. Because sometimes we try in our own strength and that's exactly what I was trying to do. I was trying to get that bus in our budget in my own strength. And so what I did is I shut that computer and I just turned on some worship and for the next half an hour, I just prayed and it felt weird because I'm like walking around and I'm like praying over it. I'm walking around and I'm like praying over it. And then slowly but surely, the inside started to change. And that, that, that I guess, fear of not being able to get a bus, that, that thing that I was feeling went and I got like a peace over myself. And I just, although I still had the problem at the end, I had the peace of God, which is what I needed to get through the week. And so Monday comes, Tuesday comes, and I'm like, no, God's going to move here. Wednesday comes, and then I'm getting nervous again. Thursday comes, and I get a phone call. And it was like, I was waiting for this phone call all week. <laughs> but then somebody has given us a free bus, which is awesome. Um, or absolutely awesome. But the whole week, I just sort of, I was on the verge of like, oh, did God, is God really going to go through? Is He really going to move? He did because I took myself out of the situation and I went in prayer, even though it felt like a waste of time in the moment, in my, man, in my human brain, it felt like a waste of time. To God, He moved in it. I'm so thankful for that because otherwise we would have been stuffed. <laughs> I told the youth team that. <laughs> pray. You see, Jairus makes a deliberate act to remove himself from the situation and place himself at the feet of Jesus. He takes himself out so he can bring Jesus in. And sometimes that's all we need to do. Take ourselves out so we can bring Jesus back in. Like 
take ourselves out so we can bring Jesus back in. And sometimes we go, I, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can take myself out because it, it doesn't feel right and it doesn't feel right. That's called doubt. But faith says, no, I've got to fall. I've got to meet with Jesus. I've got to experience Jesus' presence. I've got to get to Jesus because I know He and He alone can work in and through me. See, leaving the room of his sick daughter doesn't make sense, but it made a way. And sometimes we want the way before we experience the wonder. We want to know the way God's going to work, the wonder, but we won't make a step towards the wonder taking place. We want to know the way God's going to move in something. We want to know the way God's going to break through for us, but we're not willing to take a step and therefore we never see the way that He wants to move. Another one is we rely on somebody else's faith. We send somebody else. We get, we get other people to pray for us. Can you pray for me in this area? Which is fine. I, I totally agree with that. But our faith becomes more about the, our faith in the person who's praying for us. If I can just get prayed for by that person, then I'll experience breakthrough. If I can just hear a word of God from that person or that prophet, then I'll experience God's goodness and His mercy and His grace. If I can just get to them, Jairus takes it out of anybody's hands and says, no, I'm going for myself. I want a personal experience. What would that look like tonight, church, if we were to say, I want a personal experience with Jesus. I'm gonna leave the situation. I'm walking out so I can bring, I can bring something back in that's gonna change the game, church. Get in the presence of Jesus for yourself. Let's not rely on somebody else's faith or somebody else's prayer Let's be praying, let's have the faith and let's believe that God can work in and through us. See, Jesus will only fill the places that we give to Him. The Word says that He stands at the door and what? Knocks. It doesn't say He slams the door down or comes in with a SWAT team and kicks that door down and activates everything that needs to happen. No, He stands at the door and He knocks. Maybe he's knocking on your situation saying, just get on out of here. Get out of there so I can come in there. Get out of that room. Get out of that space. Get out of that mental space that you find yourself in because I want to come in and change the room around. Point number two, when you find yourself in a room filled with pain and problems, allow Jesus to kick things out. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus sees a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, while this commotion and wailing, the child is not dead, but asleep. In Jesus' eyes, this lady is asleep. In the natural perspective, she is dead. But they laughed at him. After he, after he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. Now, scholars tell us that these were paid professional Mourners, that was their job title. I'm a professional mourner. These people would be paid to go to the deaths of people around the place and they would mourn and they would create a commotion because the more commotion, the more, the more a status for the person who had passed away. And so these mourners come in and they're paid. They're professional. Jairus is paying to have these mourners attend his daughter's funeral that is already taking place at his house when he brings Jesus along. You see, it doesn't take long for the paid imposters to make their way into our life or into our situation. We can rock up and we go, where did all these people come from? 
Why are they here? Why, 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 are they, why are they already mourning when in reality that's exactly where we go to so many times with our situations and our circumstances? See, as Jesus and Jairus get to the house, the mourners are already there and there's already a sound coming from that house of death, of decrease and of mourning, heartbreak. You see, the idea of hiring professional mourners sounds crazy, doesn't it? Yeah? Like when I read that, I'm like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Professional mourners, are you kidding me? But in reality, we do that more than we think. In reality, we're more like Jairus than we think. We're more like the people in the story than we think because that's exactly what we do when we surround ourselves with the emotions and the things and the people that make us feel comfortable in the situation that we're in. Jairus had filled his house with paid imposters who would emulate how he was feeling because it was comfortable. We do this every time we throw a pity party. <laughs> every single time we throw a pity party. In fact, how about we throw a pity party right now? I want to throw a pity party. Come on, my boys, come on up. We're going to throw a bit of a pity party right now in church. I've got a few of the boys. They're, they're all, they know what they're doing. They're the best pity party professionals you've ever seen. Can you hand them out for me, Isaiah? But you see, we... <laughs> you can laugh for a bit if you need to. We can have a laugh break. So over here, we have sadness. We have anger. What are you, Brandon? Oh, offence. Offence. We have hopelessness. <laughs> Sorry, Jonah. We have hate and we have grief. Now... What happens is when we get into a situation and circumstance, we're going to need more room. We need to come up here, boys. Is what we do is we surround ourselves, come over here, with things and people that emulate our pity party. Yep, we're all good. We're almost here. Great. Now we can have our pity party. Now you see, are they doing the faces for me? Oh, yeah, that, cool. That's what we need. Let me have a look. Let me... Good sadness, sadness, hopelessness, offense, cool, good, we're good. Now what we do is we hide behind the feelings. Jairus is hiding behind his pity party. He's hiding behind the professional mourners because he wants something to create in him a feeling of comfortability and a feeling of norm. And you see, we can surround ourselves with the, the feelings that we want to feel in our situations and it becomes very comfortable to stay in the situation that we're in because we feel surrounded and we feel comfortable. But who knows that I'm not moving anywhere that these guys don't move right now. If they wanted to, they could block me and I could, I could become completely useless. They could just confine me to the front of the stage here. But in the same way, when, when we don't fully understand that we're just like Jairus, who's, who wants to surround himself with a, with a pity party, that we actually become confined, restrained in where we're able to go. You see... This becomes the barrier. Our emotions, the way we feel, the way that, that thing, that situation makes us act. This becomes the thing rather than Jesus being our breakthrough. And you see what Jesus does is he walks in. You can stay there. It's all good. Jesus walks into the room and he sees the things that have been set up. He sees that sadness and hopelessness and anger and resentment or whatever's been set up. And what he does is he just, he just comes through and he kicks them all out. Sorry, sadness, you're gone. Offense, you're gone. Hopelessness, I'm sorry, you're not hopelessness anymore. Hate and grief over here. He just kicks them. You guys can get off the stage right now. 
I'm kicking you off, kicking you off. And he kicks them all off. (laughs) He kicks them off. Jeez. He kicks them off because he knows that you can't move past your emotions. You can't move past the paid imposters that are creating the space, that are occupying the space in the room that he wants to move in. You you see, the space isn't big enough for the both of them. Either Jesus is in there or your emotions and your your hurts, your regrets, the way you feel in the situation is in there. They can't be both. You see, we remove ourselves from the situation, we bring Jesus into the situation, but then we allow Jesus to kick some things out of that situation that only He can kick out. You see, every time your focus is on the imposters, you're paying for it. Every time your focus is on that anger, that hurt, that sadness, that depression, that, that feeling, you're paying for it. I'm paying for it. Every single time, because we're paying them with our attention. We're paying attention to these things that are stealing our time, that are stealing our emotions, that are stealing our, our it even affects us physically. We can be up late at night and it's, we're paying for these things that Jesus is saying, I've already paid it all. I died on the cross. So you could kick those things out of your life. They can take a seat and I can start to move. And Jesus is saying, no more pity parties. Get out of here. And he says to the mourners, he says, get out of here. I can't work while you're still in the room because you're gonna steal the faith that I need to make. I'm gonna rise up the faith and you're gonna steal the faith that I need in the room. And we wonder why sometimes we feel like, oh, I don't have faith. I don't have faith for that. Take a look. Take a look around. Just as you know, negative people attract other negative people and they create like in a very short amount of time a negative club that say negative things and do negative things and act negatively, we too can become very emotionally involved with our situation. And it will only take away from us. And it will only take away from what God wants to do in and through us. Jesus comes in and He kicks them all out. See, Jesus didn't pay attention to the sound ringing out from that house because he was coming in. There was wailing, there was commotion, there was, it says there was commotion. It was obviously a sad place, but Jesus walks in and he changes it all. Pay attention to the sound that rings in your mind because it will direct your surrender. See, pay attention to the sound because it will direct your surrender. If we have a sound in our life that is, of sadness or a sound that is of hopelessness or a sound that is of anger, then we'll surrender to anger, we'll surrender to sadness, we'll surrender to hopelessness every single time. But if we have a sound that is directed towards the Saviour, then it gives Him the keys to work in our life and work in our situations and to occupy the space. He calls them out and then He kicks them out. Maybe we need to do some of that today. Call them out, kick them out. Point number three, when you find yourself in a room filled with pain and problems, allow Jesus to work things out. Verse 41, he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Colm, immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. 
Now, it's one thing to get Jesus in the room or into the situation and you feel him working. It's another thing to feel God kick some things out of you that need to go, emotions, whatever we've become attached to in that situation, the comfortabilities that I should be angry or I, sh- I deserve to be depressed or I deserve to be sad, I deserve to be hurt. Those things that he wants to kick out is one thing to do that. But then it's another thing to allow him the complete authority to work things out on our behalf, to do the thing that only he can do. You see, I love that the girl's 12 years old. 12 represents power and authority in the Bible. Wherever we see it, we know that God's, God's sending a message to us. He's talking about his power and authority. And the girl who lay dead in this situation, Jesus comes in, he says, she's only sleeping. She's not dead. See, Jesus had moved into the room. He had moved into the space and he was about to do what only he could do because his power and authority was coming to rest over this little girl. And it doesn't matter where we find ourselves in a dead situation or a situation that seems hopeless, there is the power and authority of God that he wants to work in it today and now. See, my Bible says that he works together for the good of those who love him, amen? That if, if I love him, I can know that he's working together for my good. That if I love Him, if I align my heart with Him, I know that I'm positioning myself to receive the good things that God has for me. In the same way, we can take that confidence and we can take that stand and say, situation or circumstance, I'm not listening to what you have to say anymore because I understand that as I align my heart to God and love on Him, He will work together for my good that I'm, a, I'm the head and not the tail, I'm above and not beneath, I'm a royal priesthood, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of God, and I'm not giving in to what I find myself in right now. I'm not giving in to the room that the enemy has tried to create in my life to try to fill the space. I'm not gonna recede, I'm gonna proceed in the name of Jesus. That's where we can get our confidence from, that in the Word of God, every knee would bow, every tongue confess that Jesus, that Jesus is Lord. And if that's the same, then every situation would bow to the name of Jesus. Jesus. Everything we face would bow to the name of Jesus, whether we see it or whether we don't, whether we see it in this life or whether we see it in the next, it will bow to Jesus' name. So Jesus sees this little girl and He says, she's only sleeping. What are you worried about? And in the natural, everyone starts laughing. Everyone thinks this guy has no idea what he's talking about, but Jesus was about to move. He worked together for the, for the good of those who love Him. It ain't over until God says it's over. You may find, you may, you may thinking it's game over right now. I've got nothing. Can I just encourage you? It's not over. Jairus finds himself in a place where he's standing next to, to a miracle. The lady with the issue of blood's been healed. She's been suffering. And he finds himself standing so close to a a miracle that happened right in front of his very eyes, this beginning of the story. And he's standing there and he goes, there's no hope. She's dead. There's no hope for me now because my miracle, it's too late. My miracle can't happen now. My little girl is dead. There's nothing Jesus can do. Jesus overheard it. Jesus was listening. Jesus is an attentive saviour. He's a personal 
Saviour. He's the God of now. He's the God of proximity. And He wants to work in us and through us today. And some of us, we've come and we've thinking, it's great that God's worked in all these things that we've celebrated tonight, but I'm done. It's over. Can I encourage you? It's not over. Jesus is here. And where Jesus' presence is, there is freedom. There is hope. There is joy. There is peace. Only Jesus can turn a situation of death into a situation of life. He did it in this little girl's life and he did it in his own life when he died upon that cross. And three days later, he rose again in victory. Psalm 116, David writes this, and I love it. David was a man who went through hell and back. Some of the things he caused himself, other things he couldn't. But it says, I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the weary. When I was brought low, He saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death. And I love this. My ears, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. We have a God who can work tonight who can work in us tonight. So can I encourage you, allow Jesus in by taking yourself out. Allow Jesus to kick things out that need to go and allow Jesus to work things out. Allow Him to do what only He can do. Your situation's not dead. It's just waiting to be awakened by the presence of God. Can I pray for us? Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I thank You, Lord, for Your presence. And right now, Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, that you'd just be speaking into hearts, into situations, into circumstances. Lord, into circumstances that I have no place to speak into, Father God. Lord, that you would speak into these things, Lord, that only you know, into those places that only you know. And Father God, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would just start to take those things that have flooded the space that should be occupied by you. Those, those, that mindset that should be occupied by, your, by worship to you. That space in our life, God, that we've been so focused on where we're at that we've forgotten where you're taking us. So Lord, I just ask that you would help us to take a step back to bring you in. For us to trust you, Lord, when you're in the room, when you're in the space, God, to do what only you can do. Lord, we need you to move tonight. So Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you would move in and through us this week. That Lord, we would walk out of here with an inspiration of, from heaven, knowing that you have us just where you want us and that you are working. And that our promise isn't dead. It's just waiting to be awakened by your power. Lord, we give tonight to you. We give you our hopes. We give you our dreams. We give you who we are. Do what you want in us, God. Amen.